Hey everyone, I'm Renee Bennett. Consider me the girl next door, having conversations that will help challenge and shape your worldview in a culture that has turned our moral compass upside down and inside out. To chat with me further, come join me on social media, girlnextdoor.podcast. No topics are off limits. I'm really glad you're here. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to episode 194. We are going to continue on. Normally when I do a collection, I do them back to back. So I'll do a collection over a couple of weeks. This has been the first uh, little kind of collection or series that I've done where I've done them sporadically. Um, today will probably be the last one on this for a while. Uh, it's called the You Lost Me series. Those of you that listen every week, you know what I'm talking about. But if you are maybe brand new to my podcast today, welcome, by the way, because I know that um, uh, people that listen all the time are constantly sending this to their friends. So if this is the first time that you're listening, uh, if you go back over um, the last, well, I think I might have started this around episode 173 or something like that, uh, where I'm starting to talk about you lost me, why young people um, have been leaving uh, the church. And by the way, this is pretty relevant at the moment because the census just came out uh, a couple of weeks ago or a week or so ago, which uh, has been talking about religion declining in Australia. But I don't want to get into that today. I want to do the final part of You Lost Me. And I want to flip the tables today, guys. Are you ready for this? I want to talk about the seven things that pastors want you to know. Seven things that pastors want young adults to know. So we've been exploring the other way around. So why young adults are moving churches, leaving churches, even losing their faith. And we've been covering ground such as what is it that young adults want from the church? Uh, the reasons that they're moving or leaving. We did one the other week about what is it that they want from their pastors? What kind of pastor do they want? What kind of pastor do they not want? And remembering, guys, I came from a personal perspective there to taking ownership and responsibility because I am a pastor. So there has been a lot of listening going on to what the young adult community are saying, which is awesome. And a lot of you, even the other day, someone came into my DMs and said, I have been love, loving your You Lost Me series and I've sent it to all of our young adult leaders. And some people have even sent it to their senior pastors. So guys, if you sent the others, make sure that you send today as well. Okay. So what I want to explore today is could possibly could some of the reasons why young adults are leaving church or leaving their faith could actually also lie with the young adults? <gasps> Shock horror. Like, is it reasonable to think that it's only one way? Could this problem only be one way that the churches aren't doing good enough and pastors aren't doing good enough, that all of the responsibility lie lies with them? Or could some of the responsibility also lie with the young adults? So I don't know if you guys remember this episode I did. It was right back towards the beginning where I talked about what makes the greatest leader in any room. Was it talent? Was it charisma? Was it the ability to connect with people? 
But the characteristic of the greatest leader in the room is the person willing to take the most responsibility. Um, I think this is a key for life. This is something that we have always taught our kids. And I think the most successful people in life are the ones who take the personal responsibility. And that is why the other week I did the episode from a pastor's perspective. What responsibility can we as pastors take? So if we are seeing a concerning exodus of young adults from churches, I think then that the responsibility actually lies with everybody. Because I think if we all take responsibility and we all do our part, then that is always going to be the best way forward. Now, you guys have more than likely heard me talk about Jordan Peterson before. Uh, No doubt you've heard of him. Google him if you haven't. But one of the most mind-blowing things about his stuff is that his largest audience comes from the young adult male population. And the reason that this is just mind-blowing to me, that young male adults love listening to Jordan Peterson, is because he is brutally honest and his main message is pretty much, suck it up, uh, take responsibility for your own life and stop blaming everyone else. And yet, young adults who I thought would be a bit like, we don't like that, that's harmful, I don't feel safe when someone says that. But these young men are flocking to listen to him talk when he does tours, his books are bestsellers, Uh, everyone follows him, these young guys are following him, loving him, and it's, I think, a really positive sign because we've got a group in our young generation who are willing to take responsibility. So I asked in my DMs again if pastors and leaders could share what they would like you, the young adults, to know. There wasn't as big a response, um, obviously, because there's not as many pastors and leaders, um, although I do have quite a few that follow me. But the responses that I have collated, I, um, I chose the ones that are from pastors and leaders who are very loved amongst the young adult community. In other words, they have fruit in this area. They're very well respected um, in their personal lives and in their ministries. So I'm not going to name them, but I just wanted you to know that. Uh, So I'm going to share seven things that pastors want you to know. So it's a mixture of what those people told me. It's also some of uh, my own thoughts or things that that I've read just from leadership principles over the years. And uh, obviously, I've been influenced by people like Jordan Peterson as well. All right. So here we go. Are you ready, guys? The seven things that pastors, we're flipping the tables, want you young adults to know. And the first one is this. We are human too. Okay. Yes, it is our job to lead and shepherd. And there is a God-given responsibility upon pastors and leaders that we understand that we are signing up for when we step into these roles in churches, but we are humans and we are not your saviors. And that is something that pastors struggle with. I know for me, it was very freeing when someone first told me that and said to me, Renee, you're not everybody's savior, because that's what we want to do as pastors. We want to fix and we want to rescue 
But pastors actually carry a huge emotional load that I don't think many people fully understand because you have to remember pastors, maybe a little bit like doctors, uh, we share in your highest highs and your lowest lows. We are there to celebrate your weddings and the birth of your babies. We are there when you get sick, when you lose a loved one, when you're struggling with something. We are called upon to help fix marriages, to help with mental health, to give advice. It's our privilege, but it's also huge on us. We have to cast vision, balance budgets, make sure we can pay for buildings, find buildings, pay bills, pay staff. Think of all the portfolios that we have to manage, no matter what our skill set might be, from kids' departments to youth departments, young adults, adults, outreach, community, seniors. We have duty of care to consider and constitutions. We have social media to look after, sermons to write. We dedicate babies, baptize people, have endless amounts of coffee because you all want to chat with us. We manage conflict, listen to your complaints. We listen to all of the different ideas from all the different people who think something in the church can be done better. We make sure the sound is not too loud and the building is not too hot or too cold and that there's enough parking. At the same time as we're doing all of these things and so many more, We are people with families. We have husbands or wives. We have children that we have to be there for. We have extended families and unsaved families who have goes at us for not being there for them enough. And yes, that's happened to me many times. So when you come to us and say, we're leaving because we think that the songs we sing at this church do not have theologically correct words, forgive us if we don't change it just for you. Because the person after you will tell us that they came to the church because they love the songs that we sing. Have some compassion and be quicker to ask how we are than to criticize us. And remember that we are not mind readers. We need you to extend some grace, to respect us without idealizing us, because your pedal stools are too hard for us to balance ourselves on. It is really stressful being a pastor. And while it is the greatest source of our joy, it is also the greatest source of stress or emotional burden. You know, Lifeway Research Survey finds that heightened levels of stress, there are, sorry, there are heightened levels of stress amongst pastors. If you Google anything to do with uh, mental health of pastors or stress in pastors, article after article after article comes up. 63% of pastors surveyed in a, in a new Lifeway research study say that they are frequently overwhelmed, 63%. And there was an increase since the last time that this Nashville-based organization conducted a similar survey. So pastors are increasingly becoming more overwhelmed. of ministers drop out during the first 10 years. 70% do not make it past the 10-year mark. And do you know what their top reasons are for dropping out? Amongst the top reasons are constant criticism, time pressures, inexplicable loneliness, financial stress, stress, 
They're the top reasons, constant criticism, time pressures, inexpressible loneliness, and financial stress. So young adults, it is so helpful to us if you show some grace and support and remember that we are humans. I probably should do a podcast actually, now that I'm thinking about it, about how I well, Cameron and I, we've got two pastors in the house. And that's the thing, guys, there's often not one pastor in a household. There's usually two, mostly um, husbands and wives pastor together. So um, I will share one day about how we've um, managed that because our kids have never turned away from God. They've never turned away from the church. We've managed to be able to, to navigate that, but we've been very intentional around that. Okay, so that's number one, and I wanted to spend the most time on that because I think that is the number one thing that pastors want you to know and to remember that we are human. So that leads me to the second part, that if we are human and we want you to think twice before you criticize, then number two, we need you to step into the arena. What am I talking about? There is a famous poem that I want to read to you. Actually, I'm wrong in calling it a poem. This was actually a speech written in 1910 by Theodore Roosevelt, and he gave what would <clears throat> what would become one of the most widely quoted speeches of his career. So the reason that um, the reason that he he wrote this and that he he did this speech was that he was railing against cynics who look down on men, because it is called man in the arena, but we can say men and women who were trying to make the world a better place. And he actually said that the poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer and that a cynical habit of thought and speech and a readiness to criticize work, which the critic himself never tries to perform, uh, that that is the the mark of su- um, of superiority, but also of weakness. So he delivered this inspirational and impassaged, um, impassioned message, and it drew huge applause. So let me read it to you. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doers of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat." That speech, I've got that saved on my Pinterest board because if I ever feel discouraged, I go back to this. Brene Brown, who a lot of you would know, actually wrote a whole book based on that speech, The Man in the Arena, and she called it Daring Greatly. So what we're saying to you today is, are you sitting on the sidelines criticizing? Because if you are, You've got no right unless you are the one actually putting your 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 money where your mouth is, so to speak. 
Be part of the solution by getting involved instead of judging from the sidelines. You have no right to whinge and complain or criticize anything unless you have skin in the game. And then if you see a problem, bring a solution with you. Plenty of people in life have a lot of opinions on a lot of things, but nobody is obliged to listen to your opinion when you give it from the sidelines. Unless you are the one in the arena, you have not earned the right to give your opinion. And don't just be in the arena, be in the arena well. Be in the arena with excellence. Don't only turn up in the arena, but turn up when you say that you will. Make a commitment and follow through. Stick it out for the long haul. One pastor actually said in his comments to me, you don't deserve what you won't work for. And another said um, to contribute, not consume and earn yourself a seat at the table. So that's number two. So number one, past as a human. Number two, um, step into the arena, be a part of the solution. And if you are someone that criticizes without knowing what it is to, to run a church, to be in the shoes of the pastor, then you should not be surprised when your criticism is not taken on board. Uh, however, I know for, for Cameron and I, when there are people who have got the skin in the game and they're shoulder to shoulder helping us fight and helping us build God's kingdom, we are more than happy to have conversations with those people. But, you know, I recently, well, not recently, a little while ago, we had this um, this young adult who left because they didn't like the words that we were singing because that they weren't theological enough, which is like, like hilarious because, um, about, a, oh, I reckon maybe two weeks later, we had someone else that came and said, oh, we absolutely love the worship and all the things that you, songs that you pick. So that's an example of what I mean. So, you know, because you, just because you have criticism, don't expect it to be taken on board, especially when you've got no, no, um, no skin in the game. All right. Number three, we need young adults to develop more of these three characteristics, and I'm going to go through them. But firstly, the three are reliability, capacity, and resilience. So we need young adults with more of these reliability, capacity, and resilience. Let me start with reliability. We love it when young adults are the ones who turn up when they say that they will. Be the person that doesn't run out of puff halfway through, who is reliable, who doesn't just go MIA, who have others pick up your slack for you. Be the person. I know our staff members, I think of Chloe, who I know listens to this podcast. She is the most reliable human being I've ever met in my life. It doesn't matter what area it is. She gives her all. She is so reliable. If we ask her to do something once, I know without a shadow of a doubt that it will be done. And I remember this one time, one time she forgot to do something, which was send flowers to someone. And so I just said to her, oh, we sent flowers to so-and-so. She sent me the biggest, longest text, number one, apologizing, number two, owning it. And I was like, Chloe, it's fine. Honestly, it doesn't matter. We all make mistakes, but just the fact that, um, you know, it was so unusual for her. She saw that as her being unreliable. I just saw it as her being human, but the way that she owned it, oh my gosh, just give me, give me a hundred Chloe's, just give me 10 Chloe's. Um, so being reliable and owning stuff. 
I could kiss you. I love Chloe. Love, love, love her. Um, love young adults like that. Capacity. People's capacities. I don't know if it's just me, if it's just because I'm getting older, but young people's capacities seem to be getting smaller and smaller. So again, I mean, let me name some of our staff. Kudos to Izzy, Renee, um, to Cameron, obviously, uh, to Doug, who works with us in Youth Alive. Crazy capacities. I mean, we have together planted two church locations from scratch while running National Youth Alive, State Youth Alive, running the academy at state and national level. I podcast, we all preach regularly and travel. Our capacities are huge. uh, And I'm finding that people, young people's capacity, not everyone, we've actually got a lot of young adults in our church with incredible capacities, but um, a lot of young people have very small capacities. I think of Georgia, our daughter, 21, incredible capacity. And she constantly is filling in for others who pull out, like in when it comes to like worship leading and things like that, people that pull out. She's constantly stepping up to the plate, sometimes to her own detriment, because then she gets really exhausted and sick and I have to tell her no more. Um, she is studying two degrees. She's working as a support social worker. She's a youth leader. She runs two um, she runs creative in two youth locations and worship leads three out of our four Sundays. They're the kinds of examples. Some of us need to flex our capacity muscles um, and to to learn to hustle a little bit more. Hard work never killed anyone, guys. All right. That's what I always say to my kids. Hard work is good. I think what's happened is we've given up hard work in the name of self-care. I think we've gone, the pendulum has swung too far the other way and we've gone too far down the self-care line and forgot to actually work hard. All right. Do you love me? Do you love me still? Guys, I just want you to do really good in life. All right. Resilience. This is the third one. Resilience. Um, I think we need to increase our emotional resilience, our mental resilience, and our physical resilience. I mean, some of you guys out there, you just need to take some dang vitamins, get some sleep, and eat better. Um, Do you know that in the last seven years that I've been running the Youth Alive Academy, and I am more than double the age of the students that come to Academy... I have not had one Thursday off in seven years for being sick. Zero. Um, I've had a couple off for traveling or on for being on holiday, but for being sick, zero. And yet weekly at the academy, weekly, I have young people who, I can't come, I'm sick, oh, I'm this, I'm that. And I tell you what, it literally frustrates the life out of me. I'm like, it is one day a week that you guys have to turn up to something, make a commitment. Now, I know if you really are truly, truly sick, I don't want you to come because we don't want to pass the bugs. But I'm like, that's the other thing. So many people are so sick all the time. Anyway, um, so I'm just surprised at that. So guys, I hope you love me, but I think we need to get a little bit of grit and guts. Are you with me? I know that there are some of you probably driving down the road right now, road right now, talking back to me on this podcast going, yay, Renee. Yes. Preach. Anyway. Okay. Number four. Oh my gosh. We're at 23 minutes. Number four. Oh, this was an interesting one. I do agree with this. A few people said, They need young adults to stop overusing church hurt. Guys, I feel like you are not going to love me at the end of this, but please keep listening because these are all the things too that we've taught our kids and our kids are thriving in life. So maybe take that as an example. Don't overuse church hurt. Okay. 
Let me be really honest here. I'm not saying that there's not room for improvement. You guys have just heard me do two or three episodes around this, how churches need to improve on the way that we reach young adults, how we need to improve on uh, providing and, and creating spaces that are actually creating community and family. We need to improve on making it less about these celebrity pastors that drive me nuts, that are forever posting their faces on their Instagrams and telling us where they've preached. Stop it. All right, I've already said that. I've done all that. But guys, let's flip the tables. Church is made of people. And where there are people and humanity, there will be mistakes and there will be hurt and there will be conflict and there will be disappointment. Now, Barna Research, which uh, you know, you guys know I've been part of, uh, of the panel before with Barna. They actually said one of the greatest things we can do with young people is to teach them not if conflict is going to happen in your church, how to handle it, but when, because it is going to happen. So we need to learn really quick, smart, to lower our expectation and to understand that we will have disappointment. We will see things that we don't like. We will see things that are wrong. And as much as there needs to be improvement on our part, there also needs to be an understanding on the on everyone's part that we are going to get hurt. No matter what space we're in, guys, we're going to get hurt when we're in our families. We're going to get hurt in our workplace. We might get ticked off with someone at university. But if hurt is an excuse to bow out, then we are going to be spending a lot of time bowing out of life. If we give people the wrong expectation that church should be perfect, then we are going to end up with a lot of disillusioned young people. I have been disappointed in church life with leaders many times. Guys, so what? That is life. We have to get some of that resilience that I was talking about. Now, I am not talking about abuse, okay? That is clearly different. But not everything, guys, is abuse. Some of it is just life. And what we have to learn to do is move toward people. Cameron and I have had to do this. When we left um, one church because we felt God calling us out and the people were so disappointed and I got angry texts at me um, and Cameron, we did nothing wrong. Um, There were all sorts of stuff that went down. We were not treated very well, but you know what? My walk with God is different to my walk with the church. And I understood that those people were hurt because they love what they're doing. And I understood that. And so Cameron and I decided at that point, we will always be the bigger people and move towards. Guys, sort things out when you can. Confront conflict head on. This is a really great pattern to adopt in life in general. We can't just go around um, canceling everything and everyone in life because it gets difficult. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? Cancel your kids when they hurt you? Cancel your partner, your friend? So I think that's a really, uh, that was a really good point from a pastor who wrote that in to, to stop overusing church hurt and to put it into perspective. Okay, number five, the next three are pretty quick. Number five, pastors and leaders want young adults to know it takes time to build friendships. So please stay and give it a good go. Now, I hear this often, you know, people will say that church isn't friendly. There are clicks in that church. No one talks to me. I can't find friends. 
But guys, give it a good shake of the cage. Give it a good rattle of the cage, okay? It takes time and be the person to initiate friendship. Be a friend. Be the one who gathers other people together. Move towards people. Be the community gatherer. And then if over time, because I get it, I do. I've been in church communities where I've you know, stayed for years in one church community and they were lovely people. They were beautiful people. They didn't do anything wrong. It just didn't feel like home to me. It just, I, I just felt like we all had, I had a really different DNA to them. Um, and, and that's, that's okay. Okay. But, but I didn't, I literally stayed for like six years though. I gave it a good go. All right. So it does take time. Number six, Oh, this is a Jordan Peterson one. Okay. So I do not want to take blame for this one. Jordan Peterson has says this, you're not okay the way you are. (laughs) Isn't that brutal? This is what I mean. He's brutal and young male adults love this gear. So he put this out as a tweet a little while ago. He goes, you're 17 or you're 21 or however old you are. You're not okay the way you are. You've got 60 years to be better. You could be incomparably better across multiple dimensions, and that is what gives you meaning. This is, this is literally from Jordan Peterson. He says, meaning helps get you through life. Meaning helps us with the hard times and the suffering. So strive to be better. Listen to those who have gone before you. You don't always know better. So in other words, what he's saying is, or the way that we could apply this to, to church is, Instead of being critical and thinking that you know better and thinking that all this stuff needs to change where you are, how about maybe you flip it and go, you know what, I, I've i got a lot of learning to do too. So maybe, just maybe we can all be imperfect humans together and we can learn and grow together. All right. And number seven, and I hear this one all the time, it's not all about you. I hear pastors and leaders say that all the time when they get frustrated. They're like, don't young adults understand? It's not all about them. Now, unfortunately, guys, I'll have to say many pastors have not been a good example to you in this because all they do, like I said, is plaster their own faces on their social media accounts, talk about themselves all the time. But for the for those that do that, ignore that. Look at people like Cameron and myself and Isaiah and, you know, people who who we don't make it all about us. Cameron and I have always been determined never to make Youth Alive, for example, all about us. You don't see cameras and my faces planted everywhere all around Youth Alive because we understand what the Bible says, that we actually will be much happier in life when we live by the principle that it's about others. That's why the Bible says it is much better to give than to receive. And when it's not about us, we focus more on the giving. It makes us happier. It makes us more satisfied with life. It actually will make us happier as well with the place that we're serving because we understand we're not there just for ourselves. We're there to serve and to help other people. If you don't think that the sermon is deep enough on a Sunday, I hear this all the time, well, then maybe it's not about you. And if you are relying on a 30-minute sermon to fill you, expect to go away starving, just like you would be physically starving if you ate one meal a week. 
So why don't instead, young adults, why don't you make it about others and serve hard? Why don't you come with the attitude, what can I give instead of what can I get? In fact, why don't you start living the whole of your life like that? Because I promise we will see a whole lot more happier people and a happier generation. We will see people with less anxiety and less depression because we will not have time to focus on ourselves. In fact, I think focusing on ourselves and all of this self-care and self-self-self-focus and talk, we can see the fruit of that. It has actually uh, made us more unhappy. It has gotten us nowhere or nowhere good at least. So let's instead do what Jesus tells us to do. That is, it is far happier to give than to receive. Oh, guys, I feel like I've kind of invested 193 episodes of goodness into you. And so I'm kind of just taking one transaction today where it's like one, one real honest episode today that might be a little bit hard to hear some of this stuff. But um, I know that you guys come along for the ride no matter what. And like I said, when we all take responsibility, then life is better for all of us. Um, So let me quickly go through those seven things that pastors and leaders and me and Jordan Peterson want you to know. Number one, we're humans too. Number two, step into the arena. Number three, develop more of the characteristics, reliability, capacity, and resilience. Number four, stop overusing church hurt. Number five, it takes time to build friendships, so stay and give it a go. Number six, you're not okay the way you are. And number seven, it's not all about you. Okay, some of you If you made it, but you wanted to turn me off, well done. The rest of you are probably cheering and clapping (laughs) and pastors everywhere are sighing with sighs of relief. Um, So guys, there you are. That's the last one I'm doing on the You Lost Me. Um, So a really strong way to end that. But I say all of that because I, excuse me, I've got a frog in my throat today. I love young people. I love young adults. I have three of them in my household. I want you guys to do well in life and doing well in life means we take responsibility. So there you go. I love you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And I will see you on Friday for our parenthood episode. Until then, bye.